and the voice of the Lord. Wow. Well, I am so happy that you are here. I am, I am excited that the holidays are over, or they're getting over, uh, for a variety of reasons. I don't think I could face another pan of fudge. I, I, I am a really excited about getting back on track on exercise and everything else, although I, I had a uh, subscription to a gym and uh, it didn't do me any good, so I think I'm going to go back and just cancel it, because I never went. So I have figured out you have to go. Now, I want to talk to you today about, about something that I think is very important. And in fact, it, it's, it's the theme of this year. And I, I pray for those that are watching online, those that are traveling. We have several that are sick. So I'm hoping by uh, next week everybody will be back together. But until then, I want to focus on, on what our theme is for this year. And it's not just something that we randomly decided to um, talk about and say, well, this sounds good. I believe it's from the throne of God that we have prayed and fasted and asked the Lord, which direction do you want us to go as a church? And, and, and I don't find it um, coincidental, because there's no coincidence with God. You know, I don't believe in luck. Uh, it's, everything is orchestrated divinely by God. He never makes uh, a mistake. He doesn't say, oh man, I didn't see that happening. Uh, you know, or look at that. God is, is God, and He controls our lives. Even when we make stupid mistakes, God is still there to pick us up, to dust us off, and get us back on the right track. Isn't He amazing? But I want to talk to you today about who we are. We are the church. And you say, well, are, are, are we buildings and programs and, and pews or, or theater seats or, or smoke machines or whatever it is that, that comprises a, an assembly of people? And the reality is church is the ecclesia. It's the called out believers in Jesus Christ. It's those that don't just know about Christ but it's those of us that have partaken of his grace, that have had our sins forgiven, that they have been washed away, that we have the presence of the living God dwelling in us, and that we know no matter what we face or what circumstances come our way, when the Lord comes back, we are going to rise and be with him. I'm going to get to my notes in a minute. We are the church. The Bible says that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And I want to talk to you in particular today, and not just about the church or about any particular building or construction, but I want to talk to you about the very foundation. When I was in Bible college years ago, dinosaurs roamed the land. We used slate and chisel Actually, we actually had typewriters that had an autocorrect. Do you remember that? And you had to go back and repeat it like 15 times to get that letter off of there. But I, I remember uh, 
in college, uh, there was a couple of electives that I that were interesting. Two semesters, and it was on a, uh, uh, it was something that was really interesting to me. It was building construction, and the guy that taught it was was a pastor. I'd been a former pastor, and and he said the very first day of class, I know that as a pastor, you're going to want to preach and and visit people and and go do hospital visitations and all of those things but there's going to come a time when you're going to need to understand basic plumbing and basic electric and it was great I loved them in fact they were some of my favorite classes ever it was just basic construction and I found out through uh, looking at everything that the the primary focus of any building is its foundation if you don't have a good foundation you I don't care how much money you put on top of it it's not going to last ask the the builders of the Millennium Tower in San Francisco it's a 58 story high-rise in fact, you can get a 778-square-foot, one-bedroom apartment for a little under $1 million. What a deal. But what, what they don't tell you is the northwest corner of the Millennium Tower has now sunk 22 inches. And they don't know what to do about it. And they're trying to fix it. They're trying to come up with an idea. And, and it's really amazing. The actual foundation itself, the footings and everything else, was great. And, it, and it's earthquake resistant. In fact, they said there's no problem with the building until it reaches 29 degrees tilt, or 29 inches. So they have seven inches to go before they're in trouble. That's going to be about another two years. It's amazing to me that it wasn't the, the construction of the actual footings, but it was the ground underneath the footings. They failed to really do their homework and, and understand the impact of the ground underneath the building. In 1989, when the Loma Prieta earthquake hit the San Francisco area, and I'm sure you guys uh, heard all about that. Uh, but in the Marina District, the, the multi-million dollar homes, we, we drove over just the day after the earthquake, and I have a video of it somewhere. Uh, but anyway, we drove over, and these two-story buildings where they had the garage underneath and the beautiful houses on top, the, the house was now sitting on the ground, and, the, and everything else was gone. And you saw brand, the ends of brand-new cars squished beneath and the reason why it hit the marina district so hard was that when they built upon it they they didn't consider the soil and they didn't compact it enough and they built all of these fabulous homes and when the earthquake hit the ground shook and and the and the earth moved and the buildings collapsed it's important to understand that if you're going to build anything the very primary focus, number one, has to be, are you on solid ground? 
Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 7, 24. He said this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man that built his house on the rock. Jesus was just letting everybody know, those that were listening to him then and those that can read his word today, that if you're going to have a solid spiritual uh, house, if you're going to build a life on, on Christ and the precepts of the word of God, you have to build upon the rock. Because if you don't build upon Christ, everything else is sinking sand. You'll be, doesn't matter how much you put in it. It doesn't matter how much effort you put into it. It doesn't matter how hard you work at your life. If you're not built on Christ, you will fall. Jesus uh, went on to say, or rather, yeah, Jesus said on, in Matthew 16, 18, he says, and I tell you the truth, Peter. He said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 2.19. He says, listen to this. He said, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Listen to this. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Do you realize that you're a part of the holy temple of God? Do you realize that that his people, the body of Christ, is being built a spiritual temple that will offer praise and glory to the Lord? Paul declared that we are built on the very word of God. We're building our lives on anything other than the word of God, we will stumble. Because a prosperous life, a victorious life, a life of freedom and joy in the Lord has to be built upon Christ. This church, and I'm not talking about this building, but First Alliance Church 125 years ago was founded by a lady that was a haberdasher here in Orlando and went to New York to, to look at the latest and greatest of hats for women. And, and while she was there, she attended a church where A.B. Simpson was pastoring and was preaching, and she was so enthralled and so moved by the message of the gospel of, of missions and, and, and serving and, and being connected with the whole community that she came back and partnered with others, and they developed this church. This church that that you are sitting in today 125 years ago started as a church for all people, for all nations, and anybody that wanted to come was welcome. It was an amazing time for this church, for the city of Orlando. And as we approach this landmark, 125 years, can you imagine 125 years, and, and, and Sam said, you know, and in another 125 years, I can't imagine what the Lord's going to do. I said, I can't imagine either because I'm not going to pastor that long. I think it would kind of benefit us to kind of look back and, and look upon the ground on which we're built. And there's two distinctive truths that I, that I see that I, I really want to hone in on today. This church is built upon the rock, but there's two aspects of 
of solid spiritual ground, that which that we have to have a solid, firm foundation to lay, lay that construction down. And, and those two things are found in all places in Solomon's temple. See, when, the Bible says when Solomon built the temple, the land he chose was sacred. Mount Moriah. There were two distinct things that happened on Mount Moriah in Scripture. It's, these, these and these only are recorded on that mount. The very first one is this. That's the place where Abraham offered Isaac. You see, if, if you're going to have a solid foundation, if you're really going to build your life on Christ, that foundation, you have to have faith in the Word of God. Listen, look at what, what Scripture says about Abraham. That Abraham was 99 years old, or 100 years old, when, when Isaac was born. And, and he loved Isaac. God had promised Abraham, through your son, the entire world is going to be blessed. Through him. And then one day, after watching him grow, and I can't imagine being that old and having a, a child. I mean, I, mean I, I, I tear up when my grandchildren walk in into the room because it's just it's, you overcome with love, and it's just amazing. And, and I can't imagine what Abraham felt when he, he trusted in God's promise and when God told him, he said, look at the sand right here. Your, your descendants are going to be like the sand. And Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. Can you count them? And he said, no. And he said, that's the way your descendants are going to be. And now he's old. He has one child. He has one heir. And then God speaks to him and says, Abraham. And Abraham says, Lord, here I am. He says, take your son, your only son, Take him to a place that I will show you and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Can you imagine? Can you put yourself in his, in his shoes? I mean, it's hard in, in, in our culture, in our society because we are, we are so refined compared to, to former generations. But... but even at that, even at its best, I can't imagine being asked to offer my child, especially the one that God promised and then God gave through a miraculous conception. And here's Abraham, and Abraham, the Bible says, get this, are you ready? Abraham offered Isaac, the writer of Hebrews tells us, because he knew that God would raise him from the dead. He trusted in the word of God to the point that it, where he said, even if I lose everything, God's already promised me I am going to get it all back. It's important, it's imperative, it's mandatory that, that if you and I want to be built upon the rock, we have to trust the Word of God. We are built 
upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We are built upon the word of God. When the word of God says that a that he will never leave us nor forsake us, then you can take it to the bank that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never give up on you. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you shall perform it until the return of Christ. It's, it's written in the book. It's written in the word. And you can stand firm on it that no matter what comes my way, no matter what hell throws at me, I'm standing on the rock because it's in the Word of God. And you say, I, I, I want to be a passionate church. I want to see a vibrant church. I do too. And it's going to begin right here when God's people decide that we're not just going to look at the scriptures that we like. Uh-oh. But we're going to live by the scriptures that we have to wrestle with too. And when we begin to wrestle and we'll begin to stand on the word of God, when we say no to ourselves and we say yes to the Lord, when we realize that, that, that our faith and trust in the word of God, that though everything else is, is, is fictional and everything else will pass away, the word of God shall remain forever. If you want to build upon your relationship with Christ, start with trusting, have faith in his word read his word believe his word trust in his word act on his word when it sa says for you to do something then do it if he says don't do something don't do it but just trust in him and you notice here's something that really just kind of blows our mind the word of God never says you have to first understand it to trust to believe it you know why How did the blood of Christ actually forgive our sins? Figure that out for me, Batman. The reality is there's so many things in the scripture that we take on faith, that we trust. It says it and we believe it even though you can't understand it. You, do, you, you understand why and you can even understand a little bit about it but to understand it in its fullness, why it had to lay out the way it did, we, we'll just have to ask God when we get there but the reality is he, he never says I want you to understand this and then trust me. He just simply said Abraham, I want you to offer your son. I'm not going to give you a reason I'm not going to say I'm going to raise him up Abraham, I'm not going to tell you that as you're walking up one side of that mountain that I have a ram that's coming up another. That, I, that as you're walking up to offer your sacrifice, I have a substitute sacrifice coming up the other way. He never told him that. He never told him he had a, a ram stuck in the thicket that he could use as a sacrifice. He never told Abraham, and yet Abraham trusted him explicitly. If you want to have a firm foundation, if you want your life to be built in Christ, number one, we have to trust the Word of God. The second one is, the second in, uh, incident that happened on Mount Moriah, where they built the temple, was where David, King David, decided 
Scripture says in 2 Chronicles, it's really interesting, that Satan rose up and tempted David, and David numbered God's people. He took a census. That's, I've never liked census, but they make you take them. But here's King David, and he said, all right, I'm, I, I want to take a census, and God was angry at him, and he caused a death angel to come through the land. Then the Bible says that the angel stopped on Mount Moriah at a place of Ornan, the Jebusite. He owned it. And the Bible says that David did something amazing. David repented. David, the reason why the census was wrong is because David had taken ownership of what belonged to God. And God said, you can't do that. I have you here leading my people, not owning my people. And David repented. You know what repentance is? That's saying, I'm sorry, I, I know what I did, what is wrong, I ask you to forgive me, and you turn around and you go the other way. That's one thing I love about David. He wasn't pristine, he wasn't perfect, in fact, he made so many mistakes. And yet, every time he was called out, he humbled himself, he repented, and he went back to God. That's what repentance is, is realizing that anybody or any of us are capable of doing things that are contrary to God and to his word. And, and when it is pointed out in our lives, we don't resist, we don't fight back, we don't say, well, I did this, and we don't try to excuse ourselves, or we don't try to condemn somebody else or cast blame elsewhere. We just simply say, Lord, it's me. I did it. And you turn around, and you walk away, and you never do it again. David was a man after God's own heart because David always had a heart that when he was called out, he decided that he would change directions and go toward God. So David, David was called out. David went to the place where the angel was, and David, Ornan the Jebusite, was, was tilling. He had a couple of oxen in a... In a, in a uh, in a cart with him, and, and David bought them from him and, and built an altar and slew the ox and offered a sacrifice to God. And the Bible says that the death angel stopped. If you want to have a solid life, if you want to have a great church, if you want to have all of the blessings of the Lord, there's two things that you need to have before you build on anything else. That is faith in the Word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews, if any man, if you want anything from God, you must first believe that He is and that He rewards those that diligently seek Him. So you can't, you can't even get God's favor until you first believe. And it's faith, it's trust in His Word. It's trusting in what God has said over everything else in life. 
It's trusting in what he said he is going to accomplish over anything else that we can accomplish on our own. It's going his path when our mind and heart says, I want to go another. It's following after him when you want to chart your own course. It's following, pursuing, passionately looking for the Lord in our daily life and going after him with a hundred percent and saying if God said it I'm going to trust it and it's and it's realizing that when we go astray and you say well how do you know I'm going to go astray because you're human and that's what we do my uh, oldest granddaughter I won't I won't mention Ava's name when she was real little, you know, remember that, that chorus we would sing, He is exalted, the King is exalted on high? She would go around singing, He is exhausted, the King is exhausted on high. And I thought, He probably is chasing us around. You know, it's kind of, can you imagine what the Lord feels like? He's, it's kind of like herding cats, isn't it? It's like, come on, you know? And, and yet he never gives up on us and, and the only thing he's really wanting because he knows that we're going to mess up because that's what we do even though we pursue him and we follow him and we trust his word what he really wants is when we do mess up and he points it out he doesn't want us to pretend like it's not there he just wants us to say God I am so sorry and move on turn around and go the other way my friends if you have those two things in your life if you have complete faith and trust in the word of God if you believe everything from Genesis through the maps if you believe it all and you trust it all not just the good stuff but the stuff that you may not really want to do but if you believe it all and you're applying it to your life and applying it to your life simply means I trust it enough that I'm going to follow it and when you're wrong admit that you're wrong to the Lord Paul said, be careful how you build on the foundation. Gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. Because wood, hay, and stubble will all fade. Gold, silver, and precious stones, when they're tried by fire, they just are refined. You and I have this great opportunity in 2022. I, I love that, 2022. We have this great opportunity. We have 363 more days in this year to have complete faith and confidence and, and in the Lord and his word, to trust him, to see what's going to happen. It's going to be amazing. How do I know it's going to be amazing? Because I'm looking at a group of people here and online that love the Lord and if you're like most people you're, you're just tired of everything else that's going around in life and you're saying enough is enough is enough I'm going to put my trust in the Lord and I'm just going to live my life my friends you'll never go wrong trusting in the Lord and you'll never go wrong acknowledging the things that you have done wrong trust in him the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good I'm going to have our praise team come back 
Jose, would you help me on in communion over here? And Paul, would you help me over here, please? As we're coming back, I wanted to show you, this is my second favorite hat in all the world. And you say, but it's old. And it is. I came about this in 1980, I believe. This was my grandfather's hat. My, my mother's dad. He was, he, was, he was the only true cowboy I ever knew. He was born in the 1800s. The only job he ever had was raising how, uh, cows and horses. He, you know, when you hear like horse whisperer, he was the master. When he would go out, he, all he'd have to do is whistle, and every horse, every cow, it didn't matter. Even the pigs followed him around. They, he loved animals. He could connect with animals, and it was just an amazing thing to behold. I was about 14, and he, he was trying to teach me how to plow a garden with a mule. And he, my grandfather left, and I had, I had the plow, and I had the mule, and the mule was not paying attention to my commands. And those rows were just like that. And as soon as my grandfather got back, he looked at the mule, and the mule just went straightened up, and that row was so perfect. It's amazing, and, and I keep this in my office along with a couple other hats, and I'll, I'll, I may share with you on, one day on that what they are but I keep this to remind myself of him when he passed away they, my mother asked he said well do you, what do you want for, of grandpa's and I said I want his hat and they said what, one of his nice Stetsons or his cowboy boots or, I said no I want his old work hat because he would wear this cocked back on his head and he chewed cigars he didn't smoke them he chewed them But he, he taught me by example what it was like to be humble and just love people and to be a good person. So when I, when I see this in my office, when I look up every morning and I see it on top of my uh, bookshelf, it reminds me to treat everybody with compassion and understanding because you don't know what they're going through that day see we're, we're getting ready to take communion and Jesus said as often as you do this remember me see communion is, is uh, the church's version of this cowboy hat it's to remind us of what the Lord did for us that we didn't get here on our own. We have a rich heritage. And we can look back at what Christ did for us. We can look back at his life. We can look back at his inception. We can look back at everything about Christ and realize that we can be better, that we can love more, that we can care more, that we can be more like him. 
And it's all made possible because he loved us so much that he laid down his life for us. Even this grand opportunity that each and every one of us have for eternal life. And if you ever consider the word eternal, it will, it's too big for our finite minds. But we have life eternal. Not because of things we've done, not because we decided to accept Christ as our personal Savior or this or that. We, we have eternal life because Christ loved us and gave himself for us. And when we partake in communion today, I want us to remind ourselves of where we are and how we got here. We're of the bloodline of Christ. We belong to the royal family. And anything we do and anything that we accomplish, he deserves glory. So today, as we partake in communion and as we look for this year, and may this be the most victorious year for this church, may it be the most victorious year for you, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, I pray this year is an abundant year for each and every one of us. But let's begin by saying, Lord, it all begins and ends in you. So as we, as we get ready to take communion, in your mind, would you take that cowboy hat that you have in your, in your mind and look at it and say, Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for rising again. And thank you for having an amazing love for me. Would you stand with me?